0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And when everybody is there, I want you to say amen. Okay, nobody's there yet. (laughs) Got one amen. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about bringing the Word of God this morning. I feel I have something fresh burning on my heart. Um, If you're wondering why the sanctuary is um, not filled uh, and you haven't ever been here before, I see a couple of new faces uh, one of the reasons is is because we're eight months old, started from scratch, and so we're just believing God is going to continue to bring them in. We started with about 10 people, I think, or so, and uh, God has slowly grown us, but we're just being faithful to the call as, he, as we kind of fill this shoe, so to speak. Amen? Hallelujah. Sanctuary might be empty, but the grave is not. <laughs> he is resurrected. Uh, hallelujah. Ephesians 2 four through seven. And it says this, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I want you to look at somebody and say, God has made us alive together. Come on, say it with me. Look at somebody and say, God has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together. That means you and me, made us, me and you, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Everybody say amen to that. You know, when most of us think about that word Easter, we think of bunnies, and they are very cute, I might say. As a matter of fact, I wore a special egg-colored, purple egg-colored shirt this morning because I love all the colors. Um, I think about egg baskets and egg hunts and family get-togethers and food and gifts and all kind of fun stuff, and I'd be lying to you if I told you that I was so spiritual that I did not stop by Winn-Dixie to get an Easter egg that was filled with Reese's Cup peanut butter. Okay, I had two. And yes, I ate them both in the same day. Everybody has their own sins. Don't judge me. But after that sugar has worn off a bit, the realities of what happened those 2,000 years years ago begin to set in for me. I can picture Jesus at the top of the steps and if you have an imagination, I want you to picture with me Jesus at the top of the steps in the praetorium. That's where Caiaphas, that's where Pilate uh, was there to render the verdict whether Jesus was going to be rendered guilty or not. I can picture Jesus' face. I can picture the thorns about you know, running down, you know, piercing his brow and blood running down his face. I can't imagine his reaction when they chose Barabbas to let go versus Jesus. A guy who was arrested for murder gets released over Jesus and the religious leaders render Jesus guilty. Guilty. Maybe I can't picture his expression on his face. Maybe because Isaiah describes Jesus being marred more than any man. That means Jesus was beaten to the point of being unrecognizable. So perhaps we couldn't have noticed his expression. I think how they led him out of the praetorium up the side of Golgotha, which would be the hill just adjacent to the praetorium there. I can see him making his way up and being crucified. The Bible says that he stretched him so wide that his shoulder was dislocated. They pulled out nails that were not the average nails that you would see used by a carpenter, right, Sean? These were nails that more looked like spikes, almost like train nails. And they drove him, not through his hands like we see um, in pictures and books, but drove him through the the massive bone we have in our wrist, just to ensure that he would stay securely up on the cross. They bent one leg over the other and did the same with his feet. I can't imagine Peter in that moment looking from afar off in disbelief. He's so discombobulated and angry, not understanding what's going on. After all, Jesus promised eternal life he promised to be with them forever, not knowing in Peter's mind that Jesus was speaking spiritually, not physically necessarily. He was such, in such disbelief and had so much anger in his heart at that moment, seeing his savior going to the cross that he cursed, lied, and ran away from the scene where Jesus was about to be crucified. And for days, the body of Jesus rots in that borrowed grave from Joseph of Arimathea. They wrapped his body in linens and tucked him away nicely. And Jesus and the disciples end up going back to the very thing that they were called to, calls from rather. They went back to the very thing that they were called from, which was fishing. So a few days later, Jesus is found on the the lake, and he calls out to the disciples, have you any food, children? And Peter, rec- well, actually, John recognizes them and leans over to Peter and says, Peter, it's the Lord. Peter puts, in his, puts on his outer garment, jumps in the water and swims to the seashore. And surely it was Jesus. And I thought to myself, I want you to think this with me, that the knowledge of Jesus' death Even though he forgave sins, did not empower Peter to do what he was called to do. And I'm going to shock some of you, even by podcast this morning, and I hope I do. I hope this is a provoking message for you. That the knowledge of the death of Jesus didn't empower Peter. As a matter of fact, it made him disheartened. It made him go back to the very things from which he was called from. You're not so different than Peter And I'm not so different from Peter because after all, most Christians, even though they have a knowledge of Jesus' death, they still only show up to church twice a year. So the death in itself was not enough. Somebody say, it wasn't enough. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to poke him real good with your elbow. Don't hurt him too much because you might get in trouble. And say, his death wasn't enough. Enough. It was enough to save us from our sins, but it wasn't enough to provoke us to do what he's called us to do. Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. He was born, but that's not the only reason. That same Jesus who raised the dead, he healed the sick, cleansed lepers, forgave sins, challenged religious leaders, preached the good news to the poor, did all these amazing things, now lied in the borrowed grave. And Jesus was born to change the world, right? After all, think with me, don't lose me. Think with me, I'm going somewhere. Jesus did, was born to change the world, amen? Jesus came to disciple and teach the disciples and to teach humanity his ways, amen? Jesus did heal the sick and raise the dead, right? But that wasn't the only reason. Jesus was sent by God, into the world to change humanity, to change the trajectory of your life and mine, but that wasn't the only reason, amen? And he, then he ascended to the right hand of God, right? I wanna minister from the subject this morning that you are risen. I want you to look at someone and say, you are risen. Look at your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, you are risen. Because Jesus' death was not enough in of itself. Until Jesus was resurrected, Peter did not have the revelation of who who he was called to be and who he was called to serve. And until Jesus ascended into heaven and released the Holy Spirit and that great outpouring took place on the day of Pentecost, the world had not changed up to what we know it. Thank God for the third day that Jesus got up. Thank God for the ascension because then he empowered his people to do and to be what he called them to be and do, right? Point number one, what were we risen to? We were risen, number one, to carry his message. This might come as a shock to you. Did you know that you were called to be more than just saved? You are called to more than just saved sitting in a cubicle at work and punching a time clock and just getting married and having kids and building yourself a pension, amen? You were, built, you, were, you were built to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords by ministering the message of the cross everywhere you go so that not just you can experience God's love, but so that others can experience God's love. When Jesus said this in Matthew, I want you to realize who he's talking to here. He says in Matthew verse I'm sorry chapter 5 verse 13 through 16 he says this you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but to be thrown down and trampled underfoot by men you are the light of the world i want you to say i'm the light of the world come on i want to believe you say i'm the light of the world I am the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want you to see who Jesus was talking to. This is in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five. He is talking to multitudes of people on a hillside, not just the disciples. He was talking to that single mom who stays at home with her kids. He was talking to that gentleman who's a blue-collared man. He was talking to that business owner. He was talking to that kid who's in high school. He was talking to a diverse people group, not just the disciples. And he's saying here, you're the light of the world. And the reason he was saying that because he knew soon that he would no longer just be the light of the world, but his light would dwell inside your heart. And the only way that people would see the light is that if you were to become the light. Amen. Amen? God is calling each and every one of us to be that light. You know, most people think that you have to wear a clergy collar to be a man or woman of God. But can I, can I tell you that it doesn't matter if you have a clergy suit or you're working in a cubicle, you are called to be light bearers for the kingdom of God. Young and old, tall, short, large, skinny, it doesn't matter what what demographic you're a part of or what your background is. I don't care if you've came from the hood. I don't care if you came from a palace. We're all called to be light bearers for the kingdom of God so that we can let our light shine before men so that they can glorify our Father in heaven because we were made to bring God glory and honor. And you know what I was thinking to myself this morning, Chantel? I was thinking how many frustrated people there are in the world who love Jesus and who carry a Bible and who can quote scripture. And can I tell you, I really believe it solely because we're not living out our purpose for the kingdom. I was talking to a gentleman this morning. Um, he's no longer in the room, but he, I, I said to him, we oftentimes try to make plans for, the, for God, right? And for our own lives and try to involve God in it and just say, hey, bless my work, Lord. Not knowing that God works on his terms, not ours. It's more like, hey, let me carry my cross. Let me die to myself. Let me see what your plans are for my life, Lord. And then you bless it. That's how God operates. But I think that we're serving in a generation of people that want to build their own kingdoms and then ask God to bless it. Marry somebody who God didn't say to marry and ask the Lord to bless it. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. Work at a job that God says, don't go there and ask God to bless it. Have friends that you know God is um, maybe reserved about you having and ask God to bless the friendships or ask God to bless a dating relationship that you know that God is not in. People, we cannot build our own kingdoms and develop our own agenda and ask God to step in and bless it. And this is why people remain and live life frustrated and discontented believers, I'm talking about Bible believers who come to church on Sunday, we have to get into a place where we decrease so that he can increase, amen? And the way that we do that is by allowing his light to shine before men, amen? You know, I was thinking about this whole idea of carrying the message. I wanna tell you a story. One day I was um, working for a client and many of my clients, um, they, they have money quite frankly, And um, this particular client, uh, there began to be a pattern of her always calling our company and uh, requesting projects to be done. And she would spend tens of thousands of dollars with us. She would find projects. If there weren't projects, she would find projects for us to do. And this began to be a pattern. So at the end, when she's writing the last check, I'm sitting down with her and there's a picture of Jesus on the wall and I'm sitting down and I never preached to her, not one time. I heard it said like this, preach the gospel everywhere you go, but use words only when necessary. That means let your actions speak louder than what you say. And so I have I take great privilege as a matter of fact that's how I got my wife. I, I just I act like I was not a Christian and uh, I would ask her you know what kind of music she was listening to. I knew exactly who it was. I knew the lyrics of the song and I intentionally when I would go around her because I had all these Jesus shirts I wouldn't wear them because I wanted to see if she had light. I didn't want I didn't want, I didn't want to know if she had iTunes with worship songs. I didn't know I didn't want to just know if she just wore the t-shirt You guys don't know what I'm saying now. Not everybody who says he is Lord makes him their Lord. And so so that's how I I got introduced to my wife and knew she was the real deal. So with this customer, I kind of played you know hidden Christian. And she began to weep as I'm sitting at this table and she's writing this large lump sum and she starts to ask me questions and she points to this picture of Jesus on the wall. But to my amazement, she says, do you see that man on the wall? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm angry with him. And, I, and she, she didn't use the word hate, but she mentioned she was angry with God, angry about these life situations that she was coming across. And as she began to talk more and more, she said that her father had spoken some really horrible things over her about her having a baby and not being able to have a baby. And this woman was completely barren for years. Now, I began to understand after she told me what her husband does for a living, I understood why she was able to write us checks for tens of thousands of dollars and to do all this work for her. He was a neurosurgeon. This woman who could write a check and pay off your home's debt was unhappy. And I began to minister to her. I began to talk to her. I began to minister the word to her. I felt the presence of the Lord and she was barren for many, many years because she said, it's like the Lord locked up my womb. And I began to tell her, listen, that's not God. This is the enemy. Let's pray. And, and, so, and so we did. And so just um, uh, a few months later, this lady calls me. And she mentioned that she needed her one of her rooms painted a baby color. No, hold on, hold on. Before you clap, before you clap. Before you clap. With Twins. So God double blessed her. And this is what I mean. Go out and preach the gospel and use words only when necessary because you never know what God is gonna do when you step out in faith and just believe and trust God. So not only did this this woman get her womb unlocked, God gave her a double portion and blessed her with two kids, not just one. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So no matter where you are and, and what your spheres of influence are, where you're at work, you can shine the light. When you're at home with your husband or your wife, you can shine the light. Did you know that even raising your children with no one looking but God and you, you can shine your light, amen? Because what you do, the small things and the large things, they matter. Nudge somebody and say, they matter. They matter. And when Jesus called these disciples, I think about how Jesus chose his disciples. He didn't choose extraordinary people with a doctorate degree who had more degrees than a thermometer. He chose people who were ordinary like me and you. He chose blue-collar people. He chose, you know, people who maybe were going to school. He chose people who were, you know, doctors and lawyers and all these different types of people, but he called them to serve an extraordinary God. Amen. So you don't need a degree to serve the Lord. You don't even need a GED. You just need a big G-O-D to shine your light before men. Number two, we are risen to fulfill his calling. You know, when a lot of people talk spiritually, they say, I have to fulfill my calling. I've been thinking about this lately. This is not our calling. This is his calling. God does the calling, we do the obeying. So number two, we are risen not only to carry his message, but to fulfill his calling. In 2 Timothy, uh, if you don't have your Bibles, I want you to read it up on the screen with me. It's, it says this in chapter one, verse nine through 10, he who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That means God did the calling, not you. He has saved us with a holy calling. Everybody say Holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. In other words, this is God doing the calling, not us, amen? Every person in this room, it doesn't matter where you are in life right now, you have a calling from the Lord God Almighty, a calling, a special calling. You have a uniqueness about you. You have something to add to humanity that nobody else can bring to the table, only you. You have one unique fingerprint. You have a unique eye color, and imprint. You have a uniqueness about you that only God put that in you to fulfill a certain thing in this earth, and if you don't do it, you're doing humanity an injustice, but you have a calling on your life. Look at somebody and say, you have a calling. You have a calling. That may be be to be a stay-at-home mom for a season. Amen. But that's a calling. It might be to to work a specific job that you're struggling with, but God wants to use you at that job. But that's a calling. Amen. Some callings are long-term and some are short-term. Thank God for the short-term callings. Amen, because they can get difficult at times. Amen, because there's difficult bosses. Sometimes there's difficult spouses. But we all have a unique calling to bring to the table. And never think that preachers and pastors and speakers are the only one called. Just as much as God has called me, God has called you. Amen to that? Everyone has a calling that looks different from one another. Some are called to be missionaries at their job and some are called to be missionaries across sea. Right, Chantel? Some are called to be a stay at home moms and homeschool their children, and that 's okay too. Some are called to be nation shakers, some are called to be a pastor at a small church with 35 people. some are called to be a business owner, some are called to change the atmosphere at their place at work. Some people are called to be an example by giving godly character everywhere they go in their life, and some are called to be intercessors for a nation and to never be seen. But we all have a calling. Some are called to be teachers, some are called to be doctors, some are called to be lawyers, but no matter what it. Is that God's called you to be and do? You have a calling on your life. It might be a janitor, it might be whatever it might be. God has called you, and let me tell you something if you do that thing to the fullest, God will promote you. Amen? Because God is faithful. Amen? That's why we're called the body of Christ. Who's ever heard that word? I wanna see a a show of hands. We're called the body of Christ. And here's the revelation that I got that somebody might be a foot, somebody might be a hand, another person might be a head, but, but, but here's the thing. All of us are some of him, but none of us are all of him. Oh no, you didn't get that revelation. I'm going to say that again. None of us are all of him, but all of us are some of him. That means you have a part to play in the body of Christ. No matter how small your role is or how big your role is, without you contributing to this body, God's kingdom will be affected and be neglected. So I want you today to make a decision in your mind that you're going to step into your body part and function as the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter three. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture this morning, if that's okay. 1 Samuel. Everybody say, I have a calling. I have a calling. calling. 1 Samuel chapter three. You know, I thought about this as you're going there, that I've heard people say this. Most would say that they don't know that they have a calling on your life and yet, uh, or never heard God calling, or, or maybe they do and don't, don't know how to discover it. You know what I've thought about? And I was even thinking about this uh, even last night, that, that many reasons why we don't hear God calling is we haven't put ourselves in the right environment to hear him call. Amen. Amen. Recently I was, uh, this has been a little while actually, I was really sitting quiet before the Lord. And usually my life is pretty noisy. And I begin to, I've had this watch for years. I've had it for years, not this particular one. It was another one. And all of a sudden I begin to hear this tick, 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 tick. The ticking was there all along. The watch never stopped ticking. But it was because of the atmosphere that I was in, because of how noisy it was, it was in those atmosphere, I couldn't hear my watch ticking. Many times we cannot hear God because of the people or the environments we're around. Don't just look straight ahead right now. You don't have to look at anybody right now. Many of you, the reason why we don't hear God is we don't put ourselves in environments where God is actually speaking and can get our attention. And the place that he gets our attention is many times in the quiet place and none of us like quiet. And to look at somebody and say, you know you don't like quiet. You know you don't like quiet. I oftentimes don't like quiet, but there's, there are those times. I'm not super religious where it's like, hey, you need to always turn off the TV, but there are times in your life and when you're making transitions in life where you need to cut off the TV, come on, shut down Facebook, get your tiny hiney off of Instagram just for a moment so that you can hear what thus saith the Lord because God is saying something to each one of us. He's talking all the time. The question is, are we in a place where we can hear him speaking? Amen? Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. He was a young boy under the uh, excuse me underneath the priest Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words, God wasn't speaking too much. He was upset with the generation. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time when Ewat Lai was lying in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow dim, meaning he was old, that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while young Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. Everybody say, here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you have called me. He was mistaking a human's voice for God's voice. Do you see that? And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and laid down and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here am I for you have called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son, go lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli, the priest said to young Samuel, go lie down and it shall be when he calls you again that you must say, speak Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place and now the Lord now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Do you notice the progression there? Do you notice that he really wasn't acquainted with God's voice? And some of you in this room wonder why God's not moving on your behalf or speaking certain things in your life. And it's not that God is not speaking, it's that you haven't learned God's language yet. And this is why it's critical to read the word of God yourself because as you get to understand God's character and, his, and, and how he operates, the easier it gets to understand and know God's voice. Amen? Point number three, demonstrate, he has raised us to demonstrate his power to demonstrate his power. Now, I love this one. I wanna I want read John. Watch this. It says, most assuredly, this is one of uh, my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. You should write it down. John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, read it with me. He who, he who believes in me. No, hold on, stop right there. The disciples who believe in me, the apostles who believe in me, who's he talking to? Whoever believes in him The works that he did, we will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Who's talking here? Jesus. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. So 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 Jesus didn't just die for us to be saved and live happy and one day have a place in heaven. Amen. Jesus died so that those who would believe in him and who come after him would demonstrate his power on the earth. And let me tell you something, friends. This was not just for the disciples. This was for, was for every believer. And I'll tell you what, if there's any time that we needed a move of the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of his power, it's now. I don't know about you, but I am tired of dead religion. I wanna see God's power at work in my life. I need his power at work in my marriage. I need his power at work in my finances. In every area of my life, I need God to move. Amen. But he wasn't just talking to the apostles. I've heard people say, hey, this is just for the, for the apostles of that day. And Jesus came to demonstrate who we were to be and what we were supposed to walk in and to tell us what was available to us. And let me tell you something, signs and wonders follow them that believe. Amen. So I was talking to the, 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 the leadership this morning and I, and I said, we have to sometimes question ourselves, even as leaders, do we believe? Because when we're not walking in the demonstration of his power, we have to question what we believe. Because signs and wonders follow them that believe. Listen, if we all we have is religious practices and no power, guys, we are serving a dead religion. And the world is full of dead churches. Amen? It's full of dead religion. We need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and that with power. Paul said it like this. I didn't come with excellence of speech. In other words, he's like, I'm not bringing you my degrees. That doesn't bring power. That might bring you finances, but that doesn't bring power. A revelation of Jesus and who he is and not just who he he is, but who he is in you will bring about power in your life. Amen? The time of religious debates is over, I'm telling you right now. I'm, I, I just feel this so strongly for this, for this season of life that God is done with religiosity. He's waiting for his children to rise up and take their place as sons and daughters of God and to display his power everywhere they are, on the job, in their homes, in every area of their lives. Come on, y'all ain't saying nothing like y'all don't believe that. God has called you, he's raising you up, he is touching your life for such a time as this, to be change agents Change agents, come on, say change agents. Change agents in our cities, in our workplaces, at our schools, every area of our lives, amen? Hallelujah. I appreciate complimentary falls, don't get me wrong. You guys see when people get hands laid on them and they fall. I appreciate complimentary falls, but you can, you can give me a compliment by falling down, meaning the power of God really didn't touch you. You're just falling because we're pushing you really hard. Oh, y'all gonna talk to me? I appreciate complimentary falls, but complimentary falls do not demonstrate the power of God in your life. You can fall down and and be one person and get up that same very person, but there's a day and age where God's power is going to so touch the people, there are going to be no complimentary falls. You're going to be touched right where you are. There's going to be such a move of the Holy Spirit in the earth that people's lives are going to be changed and transformed. The dead really is going to get raised. It's not just metaphorically speaking. The blind are really going to see. The deaf are really going to hear. Those people who are tormented and bound by fear are really going to to be set free in their lives because we are change agents. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead residing in our mortal bodies and we're walking out this thing and demonstrating his power in the earth. Come on, how many want to demonstrate his power? Come on, how many are tired of dead religion? How many are tired of just hearing nice little sermons? How many are really ready to take God at his word and believe him and demonstrate the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following? Touch somebody and say, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready for a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for God to take over the services. I'm ready for a change and a shift. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the power of God changing you from the inside out. I'm talking about the power of God to sustain you in your relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about the power of God that will remove that addiction in your life. I'm talking about the power of God that will free you from that physical hindrance in your life. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me. I'm talking about the power of God that will help you overcome any struggle. I'm talking about the power of God that can come on, heal that marriage and raise up that marriage. I'm talking about the power of God that no matter how young you are, people will respect you in the Lord simply by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Come on, it's not about age, it's about revelation. Y'all ain't saying nothing, it's about revelation. It doesn't matter how old you are. The history says that these disciples were at at a young age These guys were teenagers. These people were fishers and tax collectors and unlearned men, meaning they weren't educated at all, but yet they tore the world and turned it upside down. And we're still singing songs about Jesus 2,000 years ago saying he's risen because a few young men rose up and said, hey man, I may not have the greatest education. I may have a poor background, but I'm gonna trust God and take him at his word. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. The power of God that breaks depression and shifts atmospheres the genius in Jesus leaving the earth was his ascension, guys. Something happened when he ascended. This is the important part. His death was important. We're, we're, we're not nixing, nixing that. We're not removing that. That was of utmost importance for the salvation of humanity. But when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place 50 days later, which was the day of Pentecost, come on. Does anybody know about Pentecost? Penta means 50. That means 50 days later, they were in the upper room and 500 people showed up, Mo but only 120 stuck around to see what was gonna happen. Too many people I think come and visit churches not sticking around. Oh God, help me. The Bible says that they were there and they tarried for how many days? 40. Was it 40 days, Matt? 40 days. They stayed there for 40 days. They stayed in the upper room because Jesus said, hey, look, when I ascend, here's what's gonna happen. And he revealed it in in John chapter 16. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that that I go away. He was saying that because he knew the Holy Spirit would only reside inside of him. But if his body were broken and put in a grave and he ascended, that spirit would be poured upon all flesh. Come on, Joel 2.22, Joel 2.22, in the last days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on, come on, people. How many are believing for this last great awakening? I'm believing there's about to be a move of the Father in the earth in a great way. So he said, if I don't go away, the helper is not gonna come to you. The helper will not come. If I don't leave, he won't come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That is the whole reason that Jesus died. He died to resurrect you. Oh, God, If I can get you to believe this revelation and understand, the whole reason he came was not to just die and for us to talk about history and say, Jesus died because he really, really loved me. No, he died so he could really, really res- resurrect you. That's what he died for, so that you could live out your purpose and calling in the earth so that he can call his sons and daughters forth and baptize them, fill them with the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's will in the earth because without you, his will cannot be established. Do you understand that, church? His will cannot be done and his kingdom cannot come unless you partner with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's his whole reason. He died and was resurrected so that you could be resurrected. Amen? Yes, Lord, I hear that. How many know, I just have to just change lanes a little bit. Can you go with me just for a second? Does Jesus desire for all to be saved? There's a scripture that says he wills that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If his death saved everyone and the whole world should have been saved at that point, then why aren't they saved? If that's all Jesus came to do, then why is the world still not right? Why is there still churches? Why is all this still happening? Jesus died, our sins are forgiven, our our, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We should have closed the book. We should stop going to church, right? But that's not all he died for. Do you hear what I'm saying? He died for something much greater than that. He died to duplicate himself in the earth. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to understand that he died for a purpose much higher than just dying for the sins of humanity. That was dealing with your sins so that you could become something. That was the the bottom line issue. From the beginning of time, God has been wooing his people back to himself. The people who he made from the beginning, those who were made in his image and in his likeness. Number five, I'm sorry, number four. We were risen to establish his kingdom. We were risen to establish, those are cool slides. Thanks, Joel. I don't get to see them. We were risen to establish his kingdom. Watch this. This is in Proverbs 28, verse 12. I did not give this to you, Joel, so don't worry about it. But this is in the ASV, the American Standard Version. It says, when the righteous triumph. There is great glory, but when the wicked rise, men hide themselves. When I think about, well, let me just say it like this. God uses you and me to further his kingdom. Too many people are sitting around on their hands, waiting for a move of God instead of allowing God to move through them to create a move of God. There are certain things in your life that you're praying for that, that, that you are desiring to change and shift in your life. But until you can get in position with God, God's not going to change that thing. Because guess what? If he's going to change it, guess who he's going to use? This might be a news flash. He's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you, and he's going to do it through me. And we establish and expand his kingdom when we get in line with heaven's agenda. This whole idea that that that, that God doesn't use people is false. Amen? God uses human beings like me and you to establish and further his kingdom. If you go somewhere and there's disorder, guess what? God's gonna use you to create order. If there's somebody who's dealing with sickness in their body or a physical ailment, guess who God's gonna use to get that person healed? When there's evil or there's something over a certain city, guess who God's gonna use to intercede to break that thing over that city? You and me, because there's power in your mouth. We talked about this last Sunday. God is gonna use me and you to further establish his kingdom We must stop being, I already told you what Reinhardt said to me when I told him that I was waiting on the Lord. God waits on you. God's waiting on you. God is waiting on me to be the change agents in our cities and in our families and even in our own finances, amen? He's waiting to be invited into that very thing so that he can change it. But we gotta be desperate enough. We gotta be hungry enough. We have to be humble enough. Oh, that's a cuss word in church these days. We have to be humble enough to ask God to move through us, to bring change to our world Into our personal lives. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I no longer pray these kind of prayers, Lord, if it's your will. Well, sometimes I do. Like I was searching for a house, Lord, if it's your will. But let me tell you something if somebody is sick in your family, do not pray if it's your will. I'm tired of these weak prayers and I love you. And please come back. I'm not trying to run you off, but let me tell you something. You switch your prayers, you're gonna start seeing God move in different ways you're gonna start seeing God move in miraculous ways because it is his will. You wanna know how I know it's his will? Because when Jesus came and sickness was around Jesus, Jesus dispelled it. When there was dysfunction or there was demon-possessed people or there was an economy that was, that was messed up, Jesus came to shift things. He came to establish the kingdom because thy will be done on and in my life as it is in So if God's gonna shift them some things, he's gonna shift it through your life and through your prayers. But God, let me tell you something. God wills for your family member to be healed. God wills for there to be life and not death. God wills for you to keep that baby and not abort it in spite of the situation, amen? Come on, because God is a God about life. That's why they call him the resurrection and the life. There is no death. There is no shadow of turning. There is no darkness in him at all. Amen? Hallelujah. So we have to be these kind of people who begin to believe and command and not ask any longer. Well, I don't ask God to heal someone any longer. We, we believe and we command. I want you to say that with me. Believe and command. What is the main topic that Jesus would try to provoke people to do when they would want healing from him? What would he ask them? Do you believe? Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I can take your messed up life and do something great with it? Do you believe I'm able to resurrect a business for you? Do you, able, do you believe I'm, I can change a city through you? Do you believe I can heal that marriage? Do you believe I can heal that sick body? That's what Jesus is saying to us all. Do you believe? And after you get to a place where you believe, you command because you're a child of the most high God. That scripture I just read to you a few minutes ago, come on, it says, if, if, you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, if you will ask the Father in my name, John 14, That I will do so the Father is glorified. How how else are you gonna get God glorified in the earth? I remember this scripture. It says, Lord, if I go down to the earth, who will glorify you? Who will praise you? That's David saying that. How else is God gonna get the credit in the earth except you glorify him? How does he get glorified? By answering your prayers, by walking with you, by demonstrating his power through your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Number five, and I'm gonna close This is my favorite. Melanie's gonna love this one. Melanie's my friend like a sister. He, the Lord, everybody say the Lord. He rose us up and we are risen to live intimately with him. If if you missed any... Anything else, if, if you missed about demonstrating his power, about the calling, and about bringing his message, do not miss the fact that he died and rose again so that you could live intimately with Jesus. That's hard for a man to say. And the reason he died, because when you think about it, from Genesis to Revelation, God has always been about being intimate with his people from the beginning of time. He created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. They walked around in the garden. The Bible says they walked with God and they talked with God. This was the beginning. And ever since the fall, Jesus has been trying to get us back to that place where we're living intimately, closely acquainted with him, not just calling him father, but calling him friend and knowing him closely. I told the team this. I'm not saying this to bring any kind of focus to myself whatsoever, but lately I've been laying in my bed at night, just quiet all by, myself, all by myself and just tears coming down my eyes. My wife's sleeping. She's not up. She doesn't even know what's going on. She don't know that my pillow's soaked with tears, and it's not saddened tears. They're not tears from anything I'm going through. They're tears because I'm sensing the presence of God in a, in a weight of his glory like I've never really experienced before. It's new for me, and the, the, the Father's beckoning me, but he's beckoning you. He's wanting you to come closer. He sees those struggles. Don't let those struggles uh, push you away from him. Let them draw you to him. That need that you have in your life, can I tell you, that need is probably there because God's allowing it to remain there because he wants you to recognize that unless he comes and gets closely acquainted with you, that thing is not gonna change. And so it's an invitation for God to come closer to you and to me. When I think about after the fall of Adam and Eve, and I think about what happened. What happened is God raised up Moses. And what did they build in the tabernacle, Matt? They built, they built, in the wilderness, they built a tabernacle. What was a tabernacle? It was a church. It was a portable church. I wish I had a picture of it. Why? Because God was always trying to create new opportunities to get close to his people, get close to them. Look at somebody and say, God wants to get close to you. And so in this tabernacle, it looked like a big tent, a long tent, and there are three parts to this tent. There was a field, right? And there was an outer, it was called the outer court. And that's where everybody would come. They would wash because you couldn't get close to the presence of God. After you had sin in your life, after Adam and Eve fell, God would only let people so close because sin separated us. Sin created a gulf between humanity and God. And so he creates this tabernacle. They wash their hands. Then they go to a place what's called the holies. Right, right? It's the outer court, the inner court. It was the holy place. And they would go into the holy place and there was a table of showbread and there was candles. And that was as close as people could get to God. And only once a year, once or twice a year, a priest would be able to go into a place called the Holy of Holies where the veil was, where the presence of God actually dwelt. And so you see through history, you see us peering these little pictures of God trying to get close to people. So when Jesus was sent to the earth by God, it was another attempt. Indeed, another attempt for God to take another opportunity to get close to us. He's always been after trying to get close to us. He's always wanted to speak directly to us. I'm gonna shock you. Did you know that God didn't even want prophets in the Old Testament? He wanted to speak directly to us. He didn't want kings. That's why, He just wanted to have a direct relationship with us. But because we were afraid of the fire, but because we were afraid of his voice, and we were afraid of that closeness. We were afraid of what he was going to see. He would send people in place to speak on his behalf. But we are in a generation. Uh, we are we are in a generation where God is going to take the opportunity to walk and talk and be with you closely and intimately. How many want that? Am I the only one in the room who wants more of God in their life? Who wants more of God in their family? who wants to see a true move and to walk and talk with God and have true ears to hear. The Bible says that if my people, which are called by my name, if my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and I would turn. In other words, he would get close to you again. He would turn. It doesn't mean turn from his wrath of anger. He would turn to you and make you the center of his attention so that you could walk closely. And he says, then I'll heal their land. Then he'll become intimate once again. The fact that you're in church today and you wanted to be here, it goes to show you that God is pulling on your heart, whatever degree that is. Even if you struggled coming into church today, you weren't here by happenstance. You were here because God ordained it. God allowed you to be in this place at this specific time. Amen, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, because he is calling you closer to himself He's longing for you to turn off that TV. Yep. He's longing for you to spend more time with him than on Facebook. Yes. He's longing to be your inspiration and not allow Instagram to be. Yep. I'm not saying those things are bad for crying out loud. I, I look at Facebook. But when you measure the times, yep. That's good. Facebook, God, who are you serving and who are you close with and what has your attention And what is stealing your attention? Amen. God is after intimacy. And we must come to a place where anything that threatens that intimacy, we must dispel. Amen. Because God is speaking. Would you stand with me? Look at somebody and say, you are risen. The reason I wanted to change a message from He is risen, not that it's cheesy because it's applicable. He is risen. But for 17 years, I have not missed an Easter or a resurrection service ever. And there's just always this overlying theme. He's risen, and He is. He is, amen? But so are you. Why did He rise? For you and for me because the death in itself wasn't enough. Because if all his death does is to get me to take communion once or twice a year, or to come to church once or twice a year, or to acknowledge him once in a while, or read my Bible once in a while, what did his death do? But he did more than that. He he was resurrected so he could pour out his spirit upon all flesh so that we could enter that specific calling that he has on your life. That desire he wants to fulfill through you. That new thing he's wanting to do. That atmosphere that he's wanting to change. He's gonna do it through you. Because you are risen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77. 977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.